Good morning. I realized just while she was doing the announcements that I needed my laptop and I ran to my office. And I am winded. <clears throat> okay, it's a good day, huh? Um, we're starting a new series, and uh, the series is on 1 Corinthians. We're going to spend uh, good parts of the year in Corinthians. So it's not like we're starting today and we're just going to power through. We're going to take a break for Lent. You can jump in and join a life group in Lent. You can join a life group now dealing with, um, dealing with 1 Corinthians. Um, and then we're going to jump back into it uh, later. And so we'll go in and out of 1 Corinthians. And some of you might say, why 1 Corinthians? I think 1 Corinthians, because it was written to, uh, Paul wrote to a largely pagan, you know, a non-Christian community dealing with all sorts of issues, and we'll talk about them. And one of the things that I, I mentioned last week, I said, sometimes, you know, people fault the church, you know, they're like, oh, the church, you know, this and that, and, and, I, and they complain about it, and they talk about the people in it, and I, and I think to myself, you know, if the church had never had problems, then we would not have had all the epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote. And the first Corinthians had some crazy problems. I mean, if you, were, if you were a parent, you'd be like, I don't know if I want my kid to go to that church. And you'd be like, well, sorry, we, this is the early church, and there was only one church, you know? They, they didn't have like, oh, I can go to the Baptist church, or I can go here. No, it's like, if you're part of the church, you're part of this church, which had all these issues going on. And I believe that this study that we're going to progressively do throughout the year, won't end until probably going on next, uh, just before next fall, um, is, is here to inform us and to help us live for Jesus in a, in a culture that right now, our culture, you know, it doesn't typically sort of give off sort of Christian vibes, you know? We used to have more veneer of Christianity, and, and culture is changing, but God's word is not changing, okay? And that the call of Jesus to us imperfect humans has not changed. And he's calling us to himself and asking us to walk with him, asking us to let, it, let us be progressively transformed. And so we are... Uh, going to sort of do a little introduction, and I'm not going to do a lot of cultural background. I figured I can weave in some of the cultural backgrounds and setting as we, as we progress through this. But we're starting with a letter, and there's typical greetings in a letter that happened back in that time. And so Paul does some of these typical things, but he does a little bit more. And we're going to highlight some of these things that he does a little bit more in your typical greeting of a letter to the church in Corinth. So let's pray together. Lord, we're, we're grateful uh, as a people to be called your own, to, to have the opportunity to pray for one another, care for one another, to have your inspired word 
that we desperately need in our lives. And Lord, so many times in our lives, we're, we're like ships without a rudder. We're like sheep without a shepherd. And we pray today as we launch into a study of 1 Corinthians that you would shepherd us, that you would direct us, that you would guide us as your people in your world. Amen. All right, let me think. You're going to have to flip it. Maybe, Rick, could you hand me that? There's a, I think I lost my clicker. It's maybe back by my dad there. And so I'm going to have to, until I get my clicker, Gary, we'll have to work together. Hey, guys, those guys in the back do a great job. Wave to them. Nobody notices them. We got David back there. They do a great job. Matt, Gary. So thank you, Gary. First Corinthians, if you want to look, in, look along, I, thank you so much, Rick. If you want to look along, fine. Um, Paul, it says, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes. And we'll talk more about him later. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. Together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge and God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gifts as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to reveal himself. He will keep you firm till the end. I think there's a couple things that the Lord wants to remind us in, uh, oh, did I miss one? Oh, oh yeah. So that, sorry, my bad. So that you will be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who's called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So I think the, Paul was, was saying to these people, as we start this letter, because this letter is, he is, we'll see in just a bit, is here to address specific issues related to the church in Corinth. Paul went to Corinth. You want to find the little story of it? Acts chapter 18. Flip to Acts chapter 18. Check out the the account of him going to Corinth and preaching the gospel. And so he had a heart for the churches that he established. And he would get reports from these churches, and then he would address the issues in a letter from the reports that he had. And so one of the things he, he wants to say is, he says, let me remind you who you are. He, and, and okay, and, and I want to say this, because Paul got these reports. Let's say this. Yes, even in your problems and your sin. Because Paul's writing this letter, not because he's getting glowing reviews on how the church in Corinth is doing. Oh, my goodness, they're doing amazing. No, he, he had some pretty serious stuff going on in this church. And, and, and he's like, okay, but I'm, I'm still, I'm still going to say 
This is who you are in spite of your sin. So what were some of the things going on? I'm using a diagram that's hard for you to see. And I'm doing that for two reasons. I want you to go to the Bible Project, okay? Bible, the Bible Project, 1 Corinthians. And I want you to watch a short video for about 10 minutes that gives you the background and the structure of this lovely book that we're going to be launching in. If you're leading a life group on it, I hope you or you take your group, our group this week, we're going to watch 10 minutes in the beginning, The Bible Project, because they do a wonderful job. I've never met anybody who takes a whole book and encapsulates, you know, basically the main theme, the main thought, the structure, the, the uh, context, the authorship all in one little thing, and they do it through these fun little progressive drawings. But what you can't read, I'm going to read for you. First of all, you're going to see that Paul is addressing divisions in the church. The church was divided. They had issues with sex. Of course, we don't have those issues anymore, so we don't need to, we'll skip those chapters. Uh, did you know I, I once lost a family because I talked about sex? I was preaching through the book of Acts, and they asked the, the, the Gentile believers to abstain from sexual immorality, and I talked about it. And they told me that I should never talk about that in the church. And I said, it's in the Bible. And they said, no. So if you're one of those people, I'm sorry. Got a few more weeks. Yeah, you can, you can walk out in a few more weeks. Divisions, the S word, food. Doesn't this feel like you're watching TV? Like all of a sudden we have a cooking show. Now we have a drama. And then we have gatherings. Okay, this is about issues when how the church gathers and how they should uh, respond and, and how they should worship and all this stuff. That's where we get, you know, the communion passage. And it, believe it or not, if you know anything, if you've, how many of you have been to a wedding in the last six months? What? Two, three, four, five? Most weddings, they read 1 Corinthians 13, okay, right in the middle there. And then the resurrection, you know, the, the, talking about the apex of the Christian faith. So these are the issues that the Corinthians were really messing up. They were having issues with. We don't have those issues anymore, but we're going to explore them anyway, right? So what does he say? He says this, he calls them sanctified. What does it mean to be sanctified? The word, literally, it means to be set apart for holy use. It's used theologically as a progressive growing in the Christian faith. So that you could say, I'm becoming more sanctified. <laughs> Careful. And, uh, and, and, and so Paul says, look, you Corinthians have all these issues. I'm calling you set apart, sanctified in Jesus Christ. Here, here's, here's something you need to understand. I, I like this, um, this quote by R.C. Sproul who talks about uh, Luther's, uh, and this is the reformer Luther, not Martin Luther King. This is the one in the 1500, who, who says this. He's explaining Luther's understanding of righteousness, this idea of being sanctified, holy. He says, imputation, that means righteousness that's put on someone, means that the righteousness of Jesus... It's a quote from R.C. Sproul, is counted for me the moment I believe in Jesus. He goes, that's what Luther said, that that righteousness is an 
is alien. It's foreign to us. It's an alien righteousness. And now I'm not talking about the kind with flying saucers that come down and do, okay? Alien meaning foreign, different. Come on, guys. Anytime I say alien, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. UFO, ET, phone, home, right? I mean, our brains are weird. But, it, you know, the word has more range, doesn't it? Then, so it's a, it's, it's a righteousness that's foreign to us. And Martin Luther you called it an alien righteousness. A righteousness that's apart from me, as Sproul goes on. It's not mine inherently. It belongs to Christ. And what Christ does is when I put my trust in him, he imputes or he counts to me his righteousness. And on the behalf of that imputed righteousness, God declares me just right now. So that if I die right now, I go to heaven right now because all the righteousness I will ever need to get there, namely the righteousness of Jesus Christ, is mine. Can you believe that? When he's talking about you sanctified, you set apart, you holy ones, that's what you, some translation will call them saints. Apostle Paul, in light of all their problems, calls them sanctified. He also says this. He says, you're called to be a holy people. You're called to be a holy people. And we're going to talk more in this study on being called, but this idea is like, I, I am inviting you, I am calling you to live a holy life in God. It's, it's an invitation it, it's like, it's like um, you, can, you can see it this way. How many of you, you know, have gone through that whole college, you know, application experience, right? Did I get accepted? You know, and some people, they, they go, oh, I'm, I'm only applying to the Ivy League, you know. And how did it get that name? Ivy grew up in the buildings, and they walked around and said, oh, these old colleges have Ivy on them? Someone needs to inform me on Ivy League. I have no idea. Google it. Um, but here's the deal. So, so say you got into your favorite college. Maybe you wanted to go to Harvard, you know? And you got accepted. That's the idea behind being called. It's like God has called you, given you this step up, given you and said, come, follow me. Here is this opportunity. You're called to be my holy people. And he doesn't just stop there. In, in this little thing, he says, you're not just sanctified. You're not just called. And, and so sometimes in, in our Christianity, we have this, and I've used this over and over, me, God, and the Bible. I remember I was in an undergraduate theology course, and the professor got up there, and this course was teaching hermeneutics, and it's a weird word, and it just means how, how you interpret the Bible. And he says, one of the greatest heresies in our world today is me, God, and the Bible. He goes, people come up with the weirdest things. He says, don't you know the Bible's meant to be interpreted in community? If you get something from the Lord, you're supposed to share it with other people. You're supposed to, you know, there, there's a proving and a testing that goes on. 
And, and so the Apostle Paul is not just saying to them individually, but he's saying them to collectively, together we are called, together we are sanctified. And then he, and then he does this, this thing. He talks about, I give thanks over and over and over. And, and the reason I, 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 it blows me away is that if, say, say these were your kids, okay? Because I think the Apostle Paul looked at them as his children. And they're like, okay, they're, they're fighting over who they're going to follow. No, I follow mom. No, I follow dad. I really like our stepdad, you know, and they, they're all divided. They, they're having problems with, I hate saying the word. You say it for me. You know, that's all I get? Come on, you say it. Okay, I didn't say it. They're having problems with that, you know? They're having problems with how they worship, okay? They're having problems figuring out this promise of the resurrection and, and, and Jesus. And, and, and the Apostle Paul, okay, if this, if this was my family, I'd be like, oh, God, what do I do, you know? And so what does the Apostle Paul do? He finds a reason to be thankful. Go figure. In light of the problems, he's going to launch into a prayer and say, I thank God. And I thought, man, can we learn from that. Someone would say, oh, you know, when you, you, when you teach, you know, do you really teach about repentance or change? I go, yeah, you want, you want to repent? Some of us need to repent on not being grateful and thankful. I mean, if, 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 if we took a, took a little interview or a little survey today, how many would say they woke up this morning with gratitude? Okay? Because some of you guys, I know it was, it was you know, <laughs> good Lord, it's morning, you know? Like, poof, that night didn't feel long enough, right? And others of you, it's like, good morning, Lord. Maybe you married one of those. So he, he starts with this gratitude. And then he, and he says it this way. He says, because of the grace given to you in Christ Jesus. This, this idea of grace is this empowering. It's the idea that God gives you power. He wins you over this kindness, this favor. That, that, that he exercises in Christ and in the gospel. And so if you and I are thankful that as believers in Jesus, you need to remind yourself that that's by grace. You can't like stand up and polish yourself for being the most thankful person in the world. You have to say, wow, God's done something in my heart. Oh my gosh, that's grace. That's grace found in Jesus. And then he uses this word enriched in the NIV. Others will talk about being made rich in speech and knowledge. And, and, I, and the cool thing about this is, is that, you know, the church for a long while, you know, didn't like to talk about tongues, right? Do you know about tongues, any of you? Tongues are this prayer language that God gives people. Sometimes it can be interpreted. And it usually delineates between the weird churches and the non-weird churches, Right? So the weird churches speak in tongue and the non-weird churches don't. Right? Come, come on. So, and here's the funny thing about the non-weird churches. You, they, you have to say they, 
the gift no longer exists. Okay? You have to say that. Otherwise, you're going to be a weird church. So when he talks about speech, do you know he's intimating about tongues here? Because he's talking about it as a gift. And tongues are a language that you people, we don't understand. It's, uh, I think there are two kinds of tongues. We'll talk more about this in the future. A devotional tongue used between you and God and uh, a tongue to be interpreted uh, publicly. And I've, and I've rarely heard the, the public one. I've experienced personally as well as a lot of other people a, a prayer tongue. Uh, I'm going to tell you about a young man who... Um, had been a believer in high school, and then during college, he became a dogmatic atheist. I mean, he was the kind of guy that went after Christians and out-argued them. He was a good arguer. During the pandemic, he came into the church, and he asked to meet with me, and we met, and then the next week, he says to me, I did it. Like, what? 30 years old. And he'd built a successful business in China. He was fluent in Mandarin. He really had really made something of himself in the last 30, in, from the time he was like 20 till he was 30. And I go, you did what? He goes, I surrendered. I can't believe it. This feels amazing. I've experienced the love of God. Well, since that time, he stuck around for about a year. His name was Paul. Uh, because of his wife's family, they ended up moving to Chicago. He, he started, applied to a seminary. He's going to the seminary there. And, and he was going to a church, and I think he was going to a men's group, and he tells me somebody in the men's group told him he needs to repent of sin. So here he is in Chicago, and he takes this thing like, I need to repent? So I don't know if he goes off for a half day, but he, he's like, okay, I, I want to confess sin. I want to get my heart cleansed. And so he thinks through every sin he can think about. And he confesses, asks forgiveness. And he tells me, you know what happened after that? He goes, I started speaking in another language. And God gave him the gift of tongues. He goes, I didn't, he goes, I didn't even ask for it. It wasn't that I didn't believe in it. He didn't, wasn't very interested in it. He goes, but it's wild. It's like, I said, well, once you get the gift, Paul, you can use it whenever you want. I talked about the two kinds of tongues. Friends, when you study the scriptures, it's just important to realize you serve a God that's full of mystery. And so the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians, I am thankful that you have grown in your speech in tongues and other ways we speak to one another because we usually struggle with the things that we know we say, right? You know, some of, some of us can be very, very, very kind to others, but then we have a small group that we just justify being very unkind to. Does anybody else do that? It's like, I can be really kind. I remember one guy said, you know, my marriage started to work when I started treating my wife like I treat people at business. Oh, like you treat them with respect like you do when you have a business colleague. And you ask good questions and you listen. Wow. 
So speech wasn't just limited to tongues. And, and knowledge had to do with everything that uh, is involved with understanding uh, God, the gospel, and God had shown them a lot about his story. And then he says this. He says, God thus confirming our testimonies about Christ among you. And, and, and get this, that in Corinth, when they would gather together, they would see powerful phenomena. They would see things happen. And Christ, and, and Paul was saying, I'm thankful that God is confirming the testimony. And I remember during the pandemic, we had a, a guy on a ventilator in our church. And it really bothered me because the guy uh, was one of those typical people that could be taken out by COVID. And so just like I did here, except we didn't do prayer ministry, I stopped and we prayed for him. And we asked Jesus to turn that situation around. And do you know from that time we prayed, he started to improve and he got out of the hospital? Do you know that God does confirm what we ask? He does answer prayer? I'm so grateful. And then he goes on, so you don't lack any spiritual gift. Isn't that an amazing statement? Because um, how many of you could say that's true about you? You don't lack any spiritual gift. Like, in other words, God, and we'll talk about gifts more, but God gives these gifts that are the Spirit not so you can like start your own public ministry and develop this kind of big platform and people can go, ooh, I'm going to go see such and such. Did you know that? He gives the gifts to build up the body and they're meant for all of us. One of the truths about the vineyard movement and a vineyard church is we believe everybody gets to play. that Christianity is not a spectator sport, that we all get to play. And that's why we'll read later, he asked people to say, ask for spiritual gifts. Not so you can feel all puffed up like I'm better than you, but that, so that gift could help somebody in the body so that you could use it to bless or to heal or to help someone discern or come alongside and serve and care or lead. The gifts are given for the building up of the body of Christ. And that's not to give us big heads or big egos. That's, that's the flesh. That's the flesh. And then he points them back and he says, because as you eagerly wait for Christ to be revealed. I love that. I love that. That someday we will, we will see Christ. Someone says, well, is Christ coming soon? Is it, it could be next week, you know. Hopefully it's not while I'm taking a shower or, you know. Some of us like, I, hopefully it's when I sleep because then I feel like I'm not sinning in my sleep, you know. And, and someone's like, look. The Bible says end time has been going on for 2,000 years and that we need to be ready. And we all will meet the Lord. 
Because we have only so many heartbeats. You know that. We have only so many heartbeats before our heart goes, mm, I'm not going to beat anymore. Did you know that? And none of us knows how many beats we have. So some of us might be alive when Christ returns, which would be really cool, because the Bible says we get changed in the twinkling of an eye, and we like get our resurrected bodies as we fly up. Like, that is like, wow. That is like, the, that is like, wow. First of all, to fly. You know? Second of all, to be changed. To no longer have a sin nature. And so he's saying to these guys, you don't lack anything, and I'm really grateful for that. And you've got the peace of waiting for Jesus that someday the problems and all this stuff is, are, 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 won't be there because we're going to live under the governance of God. We're going to live under the governance of God. And then, he, and then he, he says, God's got you, but it's going to take you all the way home. You can trust him. We talked about a theme this year of coming home, inviting others home. That's why you have invitation cards we have down the table. And we're saying, hey, invite people. There, there's a hunger. There's a growing spiritual hunger. Invite people just to come to church. And you see it here in this passage. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and then he goes on and he says, And God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. you got to stop there. Here's Paul again, the dad, the one that, that preached the gospel and formed this new church family in Corinth, who knows they've got all sorts of problems. And he's not shaking a stick at them. He's not, he's, he's not putting them down. He's starting by giving them assurance that God has got this. That even though you're faltering, even though you're messing up, even though you're making mistakes, let me tell you that he will keep you firm until the end. And because of the forgiveness of Jesus, you will be blameless. Man. How, how, how many of you have regrets in your life? Yeah. Don't they... Don't they don't you hate them? You know, people talk to me about their regrets. You know what I tell them? It's, it's really encouraging. You can't change the past. <laughs> you know? You can only live in the present. And that's, that, friends, if you've never started a relationship with Jesus, one of the most amazing things about starting a relationship with Jesus is that he takes our regrets, he takes our sins, he takes our shortcomings, he takes our failures. And, 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 and he, he forgives them. He gives you the biggest WTLF, welcome to Facebook, he gives you the biggest WTF moment of your entire life. How could he do that? I am awful. I have blown it. I've got all these regrets. I can't believe it. And he takes it and he forgives you. And man, if you have never felt forgiven, it feels amazing.
amazing. Like a weight is removed. It's like you've, you've been in a mud fight with feces mixed in, and you get a hot, clean shower with soap. I mean, it's amazing. And if you've never started that relationship with Jesus, ever, if you've never started it, today's the day. Don't wait. Don't wait. Get free. Get forgiven. It's an amazing gift. It's the greatest gift. It's why Christ came to the world. Start today. Today. Maybe somebody just invited you here. Maybe they pulled you in. Maybe they're elbowing you right now. Maybe you've been raised in the church. It's been your mom or dad's or your grandma's faith. And Jesus is saying, today I want it to be your faith. I want you to have a relationship with me. I want you to experience being blameless. All you got to do is say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. I've messed up, I've blown it, I've sinned. I want to know you as my Lord and my Savior. Come into my life. That simple prayer changes everything. Everything. And I pray you pray it today. And I think if I had to summarize what the Apostle Paul was saying in this little bit, he's saying before we talk, before we have the hard talk, let's get one thing right. God's got this. He's got you set apart, sanctified, called. He's got those crazy situations in your life. God's got this. I just felt like there's some some of us here today that need to just Picture uh, one of those places of chaos, confusion, dissidence, sickness, whatever it is, because we all have them. And to remind ourselves that God's got this. Let's stand up and pray together. All right. And the band, you guys can come on up and... And after we pray, we'll just go right into communion, and, uh, and then we'll wrap. So you can pull out your little communion. Lord, as I was studying this for this week, it, it, everything in this screamed, what an amazing God you are. What a great Father you are. For when your kids are going astray, you're finding the good and affirming it. You're coming back to who they are in their identity, called, sanctified, holy, because of your righteousness you've given them. And you're reminding them that they will make it to the end not based on their strength, but based on your power. That he will keep us and you keep us till the end. You have us in the palm of your hand. You've got this. 
And so we just take a minute, Lord, and we might place ourselves right now in the palm of your hand because we feel like we're the ones that need to be there. Or we might be, some of us like myself, play, placing Aaron, who we prayed for, right there in the palm of your hand. And you just picture that, the Lord's hands, and that it's a relationship or a health issue or, uh, or, you know, I'm not sure what the, the place that you need to put it in his hands, but, but you, maybe it's, it's yourself because you just came to Jesus this, for the very first time. Or maybe you've given your life to Jesus for the first time, but there's another situation and you want to put that there. And we're saying, Lord, we, there are so many things in our lives we cannot control. And we are going to trust you. Mercy of God. Power of God. We're going to trust you. You got this. You got this.